Radio Theater. In the air. Dedicated to man's imagination, the theater of the mind. You know what our call letters WGN stand for, don't you? Welcome to WGN Radio Theater. Special three-hour presentation. And your hosts, Carl Amari and Lisa Wolf. Oh, thank you. This is the WGN Radio Theater. Thank you for being with us. This is Lisa Wolf, and that is not Carl Amari. It is not Carl Amari. Who is this? It is Dave Plyer. Oh, I was going to make them all guest. It is the great Dave Plyer. So happy to have you co-hosting with me tonight. Carl is needy of a little rest and relaxation this weekend. I have done a lot of prep work to make sure we just improve the show the much as as much as we can that's not going to be a problem <laughs> <laughs> i'm on it. i'm just kidding we I'm have just a kidding. fun-filled weekend and we are full of halloween horror radio classics and i love this time of year because with the horror genre this is like a really good uh these are really good shows to introduce somebody to old-time radio that that's has true. never listened to it before well we're counting Theater on the mind, all of these right? people having been with us for years and years and years yeah. Let's add but some in new any ones. event yeah. we're gonna add this yeah. is show number 431 and we're excited mm-hmm. that you stayed up after the game with us uh we're going to start with suspense from august 23rd of 1945 then what are we going to do this today? will kill you is this the name will of the kill story. you yeah yeah that's you a- talking to me I, <laughs> but a factory worker that sets up his boss or something for a, as a, for a murder charge, right? Yeah, I like yeah, that. I like that one. thought already. Yeah, okay, it's, exactly. it's all good. We go yeah. to uh, and then second hour we've got Murder at Midnight from yep. 1946 till death do us part, and with, then Weird Circle. Yep. Weird Circle. Yeah. What was it? So what was it? Three great radio Gross. shows. What? Gross. Gross. Gross what is it? good. Yeah. Yeah. We're gonna have some surprise endings. We've got okay. some exciting stuff in store. Mm-hmm. But first, before all of that we are going to do a little cat's pride guess that song we are in 1975 dave is going to play along with us and we are going to be giving away a 25 dollars gift certificate for lou malnati's pizza so we're going to be looking for caller number seven you can call right now 312-981-7200 and we'll be right back Bill Bradovich talks about the return of Mitch Trubisky. Zippy, you got to keep him up. You can't put the kid in there. If he cannot legitimately go through a coordinated a spiral, if he can't do it, you can't play him. You can't. Dan Hampton talks about the return of Mitch Trubisky. What if Ellen Robinson and, and the rest of the receivers tape him to the locker? <laughs> uh, there's always that possibility, too. Where's he at? The best Bears pregame tomorrow at 1, right before Bears Saints. On 720 WGN, sponsored by your Chicago and Northwest Indiana Chevy dealers. At Joe Rizza Acura in Orland Park, you save more. And now through October 31st, during the Model UN sales event, you can get 0.9% financing on 2019 and 2020 Acura models for 60 months. Choose from hundreds of new and certified pre-owned Acuras every day. There's never been a better time to buy than now. During the Joe Rizza Acura Model UN sales event, hurry 0.9% financing ends October 31st. Only at Joe Rizza Acura on 159th Street in Orland Park. Or visit RizzaAcura.com. 0% to $17.05 a month for every 1,000 financing. With approved credit on select models. See dealer for details. Offer expires 1031.19. Individual rates, coverage offerings, and savings may vary. Subject to terms and conditions. If you run a small business, saving up to 30% on your workers' comp insurance is a big deal. That's why you need to check your rate at PyInsurance.com. Pi Insurance makes workers' comp a no-brainer with an easy online experience and outstanding service. At Pi, we protect your business and your employees and could save you up to 30%. Check out your rate online today and see how much you can save at PyInsurance.com. That's PIEinsurance.com. It can be difficult to notice that your brain may not be functioning as well as it used to. The signs of aging can be subtle, but now it's easy to do something about it. 
Help your brain with Prevagen. In a clinical trial, a subgroup of adults with mild, age-related cognitive impairment taking only one Prevagen a day were shown to improve in measures related to memory. Prevagen. Healthier brain, better life. Statements have not been evaluated by the FDA. This product is not intended to treat, cure, or prevent any disease. I'm Clint. I'm Phil, saving you big time money on pasta. One pound cream at pasta, 89 cents. And 24 ounce tomani pasta sauce, just 79 cents. I caramba, that's cheap pasta. Pasta for 89, sauce for 79. Hot, hot, hot prices feed the whole family for pennies. Better, better products, products, better, better prices, prices, better, better service, service because, because we're employee owned. It's good men's. Walking, you take it for granted until you can't do it anymore. I'm Julian and I was 22 when I hit my head diving. I was airlifted to Northwestern Memorial Hospital and underwent complex spine surgeries. With a child on the way, my goal was to walk again before he took his first steps. The Northwestern Medicine Spine Center is part of the number one hospital in Illinois, as ranked by U.S. News and World Report. Putting one foot in front of the other never felt so good. Northwestern Medicine. Learn more at nm.org slash better. All right, make Sundays your official night to tour the city. Watch Chicago's Best at 10 p.m. Then stick around for the latest in shopping, entertainment, and events on See Chicago at 10.30 p.m. on WGN-TV. Guess that song. That's what we're going to do, Dave. We're we're going to guess that song, and we have Mike on the phone to guess that song. Hey, Mike. We have Mike? Where's Mike? Yes, I'm Mike. Oh, good. I'm glad you're with us. How's it going? Turn down your radio. It's off. Okay, okay, there we go. There we go. Hey, Mike, we're glad you made it through. We're going to do a little 1975. You ready to go? I'm ready. Okay, here's the song number one. Mamma mia, mamma mia, let me go. That's all you get. Oh, mamma mia? Well, that's not the name of it, but <laughs> there is a song, mamma mia, that's not it. You know what it is? I need help with it. That's okay. Dave will be a great life. It's queen. It's it is queen. Um... Hmm. All right, let's play it. Mamma mia, mamma mia, let me go. Beelzebub has a devil put aside for me, for me, for me. All right, guys, that is Queen. That is Bohemian Rhapsody. Do you know that song, right? I do. Okay. Absolutely do. Okay, so Bohemian Rhapsody had its beginnings in 1968 when Freddie Mercury was a student at London's Ealing Art College. So there you go. All right. We have another chance. We're going to do one more song, also 1975. Let's hear it. You know that one? Uh, Neil Sedeka. That's right. Uh, the blank is back. Oh, it's, it's called Bad Blood. <laughs> That's oh. right. Now, let's hear it. That is good. So this song turned out to be Sadaka's biggest hit, reaching a number one on the Billboard Top 100. And, of course, he was helped by his friend Elton John. Yeah. Yeah, he's saying a backup for this song. And you know what, Mike? You are a big winner. And, uh, Dave, you were no help at all. Uh, Mike, you've won a Lou Malnati's gift certificate for $25. Lou Malnati's, Yeah, yeah. Lou Malnati's is home of Chicago's best deep dish pizza. You can find one of their 40-plus Chicagoland locations, or you can order online at LouMalnati's.com. Thank you so much for calling in for playing. We 
really appreciate it. Thank you, Lisa. You too. Have a nice night. Thank you. You too. There we go. I was I was helping with some technical uh, things behind the scenes there. Mm-hmm, so sure apologize. <laughs> I was. I was. I was. <laughs> so uh, we're going to move right into our first radio show. Help us out, Dave. So it is suspense from 1945. This will kill you on the WGN Radio Theater. No. The Roma Wine Company of Fresno, California presents... Suspense! Tonight, Roma Wines bring you Dane Clark, the star of This Will Kill You, a suspense play produced, edited, and directed for Roma Wines by William Spear. Suspense, radio's outstanding theater of thrills, is presented for your enjoyment by Roma Wines. Yes, right now a glass full would be very pleasant as Roma Wines bring you Dane Clark in a remarkable tale of Suspense. Listen, get a load of this. This will kill you. I got a story that should be written up by one of those big magazine writers. Only mine is true. The whole thing is true, so help me. You know, they say truth is stranger than fiction, don't they? Well, get this. I was working down at the Acme Engineering, an outfit making hydraulic valves for gun turrets. And we had a foreman named Charlie Harris, one of those uh, big, good-looking guys who thought he was a big shot because he was a boss. Well, this guy was always picking on me. Like, for instance, one morning I come to work a few minutes late and this Harris says... Well, good afternoon, Jordan. I save those gags for Jack Benny. It's only a quarter after eight. Well, get here at eight and you'll be spared my sense of humor. Ain't a guy got a right to get here a couple of minutes late once in a while? Yeah, sure, once in a while, Joe, but not every other day. Oh, gee, Charlie, my alarm clock's on a bum. You know you can't buy a new one these days. Oh, save that for the teacher. Now, come on, Joe, come on, get on the ball. Save that for the teacher, he said. Always throwing up to me that he graduated from engineering school and I never even had a chance to go to high school. As if you need an education to be a smart guy. Well, I could tell you a hundred guys who never even went to school could buy and sell that guy a million... Well, that's another story. Anyway, this Charlie Harris kept giving me the needle. Joe, can I talk to you for a minute? What is it now, Chief? Quit calling me Chief. Now look, kid, look. I don't know what's wrong, but you're slowing up. The other boys are turning out 100 pots a day, and you're only averaging 80. Now, what's the trouble, Joe? Well, I don't know. My eyes hurt. This work gets tough on the eyes, and I got to stop once in a while. My, my eyes hurt bad. You complained last week, too, Joe, and the company doctor's report said there was nothing wrong. Ah, what does that quack know? All right, all right. Now, quit the complaints and get on the job, Joe. We've still got a war on our hands, even though you and a lot of other guys have forgotten it since Germany took the count. <laughs> There's a war on. Did you get that? At the time, he was technically right, but give me the business just because he didn't like me, waving your flag and singing, oh, say, can you see? Look, I'm just as patriotic as him or any other guy. Could I help it if my eyes hurt bad? But he had to go make a big thing out of it just because I got in the habit of, uh, of stepping out a little here and there, and he found out. Well, ain't a guy got a right to have a little fun once in a while just because those Japs are still popping away? So my eyes hurt a little the next day. Is that so terrible? Are the Japs going to win a war just because I've had a little fun? Anyway, he keeps picking on me and picking on me. And one day while I was knocking my brains out... Joe! Oh, let me ride in the wide open spaces that I love. 
Don't offense me. Joe! What? Yeah? Now, look, Joe, look. I don't like playing cops, but you know there's oil and gasoline all over the place. Yeah? And that a cigarette dropped into one of those pools could burn the plant down? So what? So read the sign beside your machine. Well, I can read it, Charlie. Go on, read it. No smoking. Drop that cigarette. Why, what cigarette, Charlie? You stupid jerk! Why, you, I'll break your head for that! Oh, you will, eh? Hey, you expert! Oh, oh! I would have mobilized a guy, but he hit me a lucky punch. Never would have happened again in a million years, but... Well, he knocked me out. Charlie was standing by the cot when I came to looking worried, and he started to apologize, but I gave him a quick brush. Why, that stinking rat, he was scared of me. That's why he didn't report me to the front office. He acted as if he were doing me a big thing by not snitching, but it was because he was scared of me. He thought I'd forget. <laughs> Joe Jordan never forgets. Remember that. And Joe Jordan always gets even. But I played my cards right. I didn't let him know I was still sore. Now, that was smart, wasn't it? I went on working as if nothing happened, even though the rest of the guys started picking on me, too. Because he was a boss and they were trying to get in good with him, they kept it after me every day until I thought my head would explode. Always, always rubbing it in. Hey, Jack Dempsey, still leading with your chin? <laughs> Quit using my tools all the time, Joe. Hey, Joe, you ain't smoking again, are you? You'll able to get another lucky punch from Charlie. Hey, hey, quit throwing your shavings on my machine, Joe. I used to get splitting headaches and the pounding on my brain. Well, you were too getting it from all sides like that, wouldn't you? It wasn't so bad during the day. The machine drowned out the noise in my head, but at night... At night, that pounding would start steady like my machine. Banging away all the time so I couldn't sleep. It might have got another guy, but not me. Not me. I'm too tough. And I got plans for Joe Jordan. Be a big guy someday with my brains. No foreman of some small-time outfit. Be head man of the biggest shop in town with a classy car, a big house with servants, and a beautiful wife. Yeah. Yeah, beautiful wife. And I had her all picked out. Her name was Harriet Slate, and she was a stenographer at Acme. All the guys was on the make for her, but, well, she had a yen for me. Not that she ever said anything, but I can tell. You see, I know dames. Well, at the water cooler this day, I managed to bump her as I got a paper cup and... Oh, oh pardon as moi Oh, you speak French. Oh, a little. I knew a guy from Paris, France once, and he taught me a couple of things. Uh, Cherchez la femme. <laughs> Cometez uh, allez-vous. <laughs> Quite an accent. Excuse me, Joe, I got to get back to No, me. no, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I got a lot of accomplishments. I'm a good dancer, too. Did you know that I took second place in the jitterbug contest at Ocean Park last year? No, I didn't. Huh? You Lindy? No, I'm sort of on the conservative side. Well, I can do the square stuff, too. We must have a dance sometime. Excuse me, Joe, I'm No, uh, wait, Harriet, I just happened to think, uh, how about going on a company dance with me on Friday? I'm very sorry, Joe, but I can't. Why, aren't you going? Yes, but I have a date with Charlie. Charlie who? Charlie Harris. Charlie Harris. Charlie Harris. Charlie Harris. He moved into my life. Then he moved into my head and he started banging. 
And now he moved in with my girl. That guy was doing everything he could to burn me up. He knew I was going to ask Harry to the dance, but he beat me to it. Okay, I said to myself, I can wait a week. But I'll get to dance with that little lady. And once I get her in my arms and I show her a couple of steps, she'll want to dance with him again. Well, it was a long week, and I kept hearing reports that Charlie and Harriet were engaged. But that was just to burn me up, see? And then came the dance. Hey, didn't you bring a dame, Joe? I got a doll here, pal. Where is she, dancing with some other guy? Yeah, yeah, she's dancing with some other guy. Don't stand there with egg all over your face. <laughs> My dame was dancing with another guy, you can bet I'd cut in. Well, that's a good idea. Uh, pardon me, I'm cutting in. Oh, no, you're not, Joe. Look, I wasn't asking the pleasure of you, Charlie. Now, if you don't mind... It's our favorite number, Joe. Well, why can't I cut in once? Just because he's a big foreman or something? No, because you're the big dope. <laughs> dope. Did you get that? He called me a dope. But he didn't know I was smart. You know, all good things ain't on the surface, you know. I went home, I tried to sleep, but the pounding on my brain was coming like a sledgehammer. Bang, 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 and I could hear her laughing at me. By that dirty, double-crossing dame, laughing at me, laughing at me. And the bang in my head was coming louder and louder and crashing against my brain, exploding on my forehead. And then the pounding stopped. For the first time in weeks, there was silence in my head. That soft, cool, quiet, like Sunday morning when you were a kid and no one was awake in the house but you. That Christmas night after the excitement was over and you went to bed and you thought about the new sled and the wonderful dinner you just ate. And there was peace on earth and... And then I got the idea. No more pounding in my head now. I was going to eliminate the cause of the pounding, kill the root. Yeah, I was going to kill two birds with one stone. Charlie Harris was going to burn for murder. And the murder? The murder of Harriet Slate. Suspense, Roma Wines are bringing you as star Dane Clark in This Will Kill You by I.A. Finley. Roma Wines' presentation tonight in radio's outstanding theater of thrills, Suspense. All right, that's part one of Suspense. This Will Kill You on the WGN Radio Theater. Carl still had to be on the show, right? Oh, there, we, there go. we go. Thank you. Carl still had to do uh, a commercial. He still, he just, yeah, he, he had, had to. Be on to. The show. And we had a yeah. fun fact about this episode oh, yes. uh, posted on uh, WGN Radio Theater and WGN Radio. And the funny thing is we have a photo up there of Dane Clark. And uh, Carl says he looks eerily, eerily like, like my husband, Dan. <laughs> so he mm. kind of does look like him in a weird way. So I was looking at this. This Dane Clark was uh, in Pride of the Yankees. He was like, he was a movie guy. Um, but then, uh, this is kind of fascinating. During the 1950s, he became one of a small group of actors uh, that was awarded lifetime membership in the Actor Studio, which has come back to television, I believe, right? Right. They're doing yep. that now. Yeah. Um, in 1955, he was acting on stage when the female he was acting with suddenly died in his arms. 
for real. Is that true? Yeah, no, it's the truth. That sounds like a horror story. Yeah, that, yeah. Could, that could be turned into a good classic radio show, what do you think? And he did a little bit of radio, mostly suspense, but then the big thing for him was the Twilight Zone. He did a bunch of Hawaii Five O's, and there you have it. See, he made the transition from radio to TV, which is rare. Yeah, which right? was rare. Yeah, it's rare. They never made it. Their careers were over nope. after radio. And of course, this was sponsored by my favorite potent potable, Roma Wines. Oh, right, exactly. <laughs> Which is what we uh, have under the desk here. But um, I have a glass jug of Roma wines. Like, not there's no wine in it anymore, but it's a bottle that still has the insignia. Really? On it. Yeah, that's a little. I'll weird have to too. show it to you next time you stop right. by. It's State Plier in for Carl Amari, along with uh, Lisa Wolf, and welcome back to WGN Radio Theater. We're listening to Suspense which is really the greatest uh, radio horror plays on the planet and uh, perfect for the Halloween season. This is the conclusion to suspense. This will kill you. And now Roma Wines bring back to our Hollywood soundstage Dane Clark in This Will Kill You, a narrative well calculated to keep you in suspense. Are you still with me? Well, listen. Like I was telling you, I decided to kill Harriet and pin the rap on Charlie. <laughs> Fooled you, didn't I? You thought I was going to knock off Charlie myself, didn't you? No, 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 no. The law was going to do that. You see? You get the switch? Now, get this. I knew how I was going to knock off the dame, and I knew how I was going to pin the blame on Charlie. But the only thing missing was the motive. You understand the motive? So before I killed her, I started supplying the motive. Every day down at the plant, I drop something here and I drop something there to the guys. Hey, uh, I uh, just heard that Charlie and Harriet was having an argument down the hall. Oh, love a spat, probably. No, no, I understand things aren't so hot job between those two. Oh, you're crazy, Joe. Well, that's what I heard. Hey, Charlie's been doing a lot of bowling these nights, hasn't he? Yeah, he loves it. Well, he didn't seem to when he and Harriet were so palsy-walsy. I heard something about that, but I don't believe it. No, I do, I do. I heard him arguing plenty in the hall the other day. Say, did you hear that Charlie and Harriet had a big blow-off last night? Something about another guy? Yeah, I heard things weren't going so hot with those two lately. Did you hear that Harriet and Charlie had a big scrap the other night? Old news, Marty. It's old news. I understand she's got a guy up north, and Charlie is burning. Oh, he ought to bust her head wide open. It'd serve her right for two-timing a white guy like Charlie. There was the motive. Signed, sealed, wrapped up in a big red ribbon. Now, was that smart or was that smart? The next afternoon, I heard Charlie making a date with her for that night. <laughs> he didn't know it, but it was going to be his last date. When the five o'clock whistle blew, Charlie went in to wash his hands. I slipped over to his workbench. I grabbed the steel pipe he used on his drill press, and I slipped under my coat. I wore gloves so my fingerprints wouldn't show on it. Smart, huh? Only Charlie's fingerprints were on the pipe. I waited outside the plant, and a little while, Charlie walked by. Uh, got a minute, Charlie? Huh? Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Look, there's an idea I've been working on that can speed production in our department. Now, can I talk to you tonight for an hour or so? Oh, I'm sorry, Joe. I can't tonight. I got a date with an angel. But, Charlie, with my idea, each man can turn out 200 valves a day easy. I got it all worked out in a model in my room. Can't you make it tonight? Look, Joe, I told you I got a date. Oh, fine, fine. You're always giving me that patriotic stuff when it doesn't cost you anything. Huh? Okay, Charlie, I took you up on it. 
I've been giving up my nights to work on this idea I have. Now, look, I don't expect nothing out of it. But when I ask you to give up a measly hour, you're too busy. Now, why can't you come up after your date? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Easy there, Joe. Easy. Oh. I didn't know you were so hot about all of this. Okay, okay, if it means so much to you. Look, uh, suppose I leave my girl about 11 and get to your room a few minutes later, huh? Gee, you're swell, Charlie, swell. I'll be waiting for you. Now, look, I may be out for a minute or two to get a pack of butts or something, but the door will be open, so will you wait for me? Yeah, sure, okay. I'll see you later. You sure will. Everything was working out just like I planned. Pretty good for a dumb guy, huh? I grabbed a bite of dinner, and then I dropped over to Charlie's boarding house. He lived on the first floor in the back. I looked at his window, and it was open. Perfect. I waited until dark. I pushed up the window, and I dropped in. It took only a few seconds to find what I wanted. A handkerchief with Charlie's initials on it. I was outside and walking down the street before I had a chance to even get nervous. I killed time till about 10.30, and then I drove over to Harriet's house, and I waited across the street. In a little while, Harriet and Charlie walked up. And they talked, and then Charlie looked at his watch, and he kissed her goodnight. Kissed her goodnight. I waited for a few minutes after he left, and I walked up to her room and knocked on the door. Who's there? It's me, Harriet. It's Joe Jordan. I got something to tell you about Charlie. What is it, Joe? <laughs> Don't get nervous. Nothing's happened. I'm just playing a little trick on Charlie. Oh, you got me scared for a second. <laughs> Come on in, Joe. I was just making a little home recording of this song on the radio. You know, singing along with the band. I know Charlie will get a big kick out of it. That's your uh, favorite song, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It's Charlie's, too. We love it. You really go for that guy, don't you? Is there any question about it? Joe, we were going to tell everybody in a few days anyway, so you may as well know now. Charlie and I are going to be married in three weeks when we get our vacations. Isn't that wonderful? Yeah, that's wonderful. Only you're taking your vacation a little sooner than that, baby. What do you mean? You're not marrying him or anybody else. Are you kidding? Get out of here, you big dope. Oh, I'm a big dope, huh? I'm a big dope. Joe. Joe. What are you going to do with it? Joe. Joe, no. I looked at the clock. It was 11.10. He'd just be getting to my room now. Five minutes to kill. Hey, did you get that? Now I had time to kill. That was a good one, wasn't it? I dropped Charlie's handkerchief on the floor, then messed up the joint to look like a struggle. And I waited till 11.15, and then I smashed the clock. It stopped dead. <laughs> did you hear that one? The clock stopped dead. Good, huh? I dropped the steel pipe on the floor, blew the place fast, and raced home. I ran up the stairs, worried that maybe Charlie had left, but he was still there. Well, where have you been, Joe? I was just getting ready to leave. Oh, I'm sorry, Charlie. I... I got stuck. Oh, okay, okay. Where's the model you were talking about? Oh, gee, I'm sorry to drag you all the way over here for nothing. It's... Huh? It's still at the welders. I, I thought it would be here sure by tonight. Can we make it tomorrow? Oh, you're a corker, Joe. You've messed up my whole evening. <laughs> I sure did. <laughs> <laughs> I kept chewing the fat with Charlie about this and that until I was sure he wouldn't get home until late. 
And then I dropped off to a nice, restful sleep. The next morning, I was on the job at eight on the dot. Charlie was there already, but that didn't worry me. It wouldn't be for long. And about an hour later, the kid from the front office came up and said something to Charlie, and he left the shop. Now, that was it. Those were the dicks, and Charlie was a dead pigeon. I went on with my work, not doing very much, just faking, you know, because I knew I was going to be next. And I was. The same kid came at lunchtime and told me I was wanted at the front gate. Got a little nervous when I saw the two big coppers, but as soon as they spoke, I felt it was going to be all right. Joe Jordan? Yeah? Yeah, that's me. Well, Lieutenant Sullivan, homicide squad. It's Sergeant Carter. Hello. Hop in. Hope you don't mind coming down to headquarters with us when I ask you a couple of questions. No, I don't mind. What's it all about? Uh, where were you last night, Jordan? Uh, last night? Well, I... I hit the hay early. What time? I was awful tired. I had a tough day at the shop yesterday. I guess it was about 9.30. Did you see Charlie Harris last night? No, I saw him when we left the plant yesterday about 5, but... Hey, wait a minute. Where's Charlie now? He left the shop about 10 this morning. Never mind. But he says he was in your room at 11.15. He says he was in my room at 11... Well, maybe he was. No, Charlie Harris is a white guy. He don't lie. If if he says so, then he's probably right. I thought you said you went to bed about 9.30. Well, I, I did. <laughs> maybe I was asleep when he came in. Maybe I was talking to my sleep when he was there. You know, I, I wouldn't want to do anything to contradict Charlie. Say, say, what are you guys trying to pin on me? If Charlie's in a jam, I got to know what he said because I got to back him Save up. Save it, kid. Tell me. Huh? Do you know Harriet Slate? Why, that no-good two-timing dame double-crossing a good guy like Charlie. Well, you know, he was telling me yesterday when we left the plant yesterday that he was going to get a settle last night once and for all. As a matter of fact, he... Say, what are you guys smiling at? Did I say something? Why, did I say anything to make Charlie... Did Charlie... Smart, huh? I handled that smart, didn't I? You see now how I worked the whole thing out? Every little detail? Remember now how I planned it that night in bed when the pounding stopped like I told you before? <laughs> oh, the trial was a cinch. The DA had all the evidence he needed and a little more. Charlie was with her that night? Proved. The steel pipe was his, wasn't it? Proved. They were his fingerprints on it, wasn't they? Proved. And the motive? The boys in the plant furnished that. They were perfect witnesses. They liked Charlie. They tried to help him, but they had to admit the stories that were going around. And the peace, the resistance... <laughs> That's French, you know. Was the way I knocked his alibi for Luke. Now do you see why I smashed the clock at 11.15? Do you? It was airtight. Charles Harris, will you rise and come before the court? Charles Harris, a jury of your peers have found you guilty of murder in the first degree, and I... Boy, what a day. You should have seen him. He stood there trying to put on the big shot stuff even then, trying to act like he wasn't scared. But I could tell he was ready to faint right there and then. But the newspaper guys were taking him. They said he stood straight and fine and brave, like a soldier facing a firing squad. That's what they said, the dopes. But I knew he was yellow. Or else he wouldn't have picked on me just because he was boss, would he? Would he? Huh? So you see... I was smarter than he thought, than anybody thought, even the D.A. and those dicks. Now, there was a funny situation for you, wasn't it? The real murderer was in court furnishing that testimony that convicted that poor... <laughs> and no one knew it. 
That's a good one, isn't it, huh? <laughs> isn't that wonderful, Father, huh? Isn't that marvelous? The real guy was in court. It's time, Father. Be brave now, Joseph. We must go. Well, all right, Father, but let me tell you the punchline. Come on, Joe, it's time. Ah, oh, will you quit a warden so we'll be a minute late? So you'll pay the guy who pulls the switch a minute overtime. The state can afford it. I've been telling Father here the whole story. I gotta tell him to snap it, don't I? Let him finish, warden. Go on, my son. Well, you see, it was a fluke, Father. A million to one shot. They never would have got me if not for just one thing. One little mistake, Father. You see, the night I knocked the doll off, she up and told me that she was making a recording of that song on the radio. She told me, do you hear? And I forget all about it. So all the time I was spilling my guts to Harriet, that machine was taking down every word. And I forgot about it. Why, if I had only thought of the record, if I only smashed it that night. But I didn't. Then Harriet's old lady got a hold of her stuff, and months later she decided to play the records, and she heard the whole thing. My whole confession, just as if I spilled it to the dicks. Father. We must go now, Joseph. Okay, Father. I'm coming. Come on, Warden. Come on, come on. Watch a real man walk down the last mile. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. You make it me to lie down. You've seen uh, plenty of guys walking down this road, didn't you, Warden, huh? I bet none of them ever took it as good as me, did they? They say guys uh, crack up on his little walk, don't they? Not me. I got guts. I bet Charlie would have cracked up by now, huh, Warden? You know, those, those newspaper guys said he stood straight and fine and brave that day. He wouldn't be standing that way now, would he, Warden? He'd be, he'd be screaming his yellow head off. He wouldn't be taking it like me. See, there's nothing to be scared of. Guy pulls a little switch. It's all over. They say you don't feel a thing. You don't feel nothing, do you, Warden? You should know. You've seen plenty of it. It doesn't hurt. Does he? I would have been a big man in this town. Classy car. Big house with servants. Beautiful wife. It's a beautiful wife, but I got a tough break. You know what? One in a million, I tell you, but it, it's all in the game, see? Come see, come saw. It's French, you know. I'm taking it pretty good, ain't I? Nobody take it like me. Nobody. Not many of them, do they? Do they, Warden, huh? Huh? <laughs> you think the paper will say I stood straight and fine and brave? Like a guy facing the firing squad, huh? Do you? I'm taking it pretty good, ain't I, Warden? Ain't I, Father? Tell me. I said, tell me. I'm not afraid. You hear me? I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid to burn. Look, I'm laughing. Aha! 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 Roma Wines have brought you Dane Clark as star of This Will Kill You. Tonight's study in Suspense. Dane Clark appeared through the courtesy of Warner Brothers and is currently being seen in their production, Pride of the Marines. Next Thursday, you will hear Peter Laurie as star of Suspense. 
Radio's outstanding theater of thrills. Presented by Roma Wines, R-O-M-A. Made in California for enjoyment throughout the world. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. Peter Laurie next week. Look at that. That's a great voice for radio, right? And I, I, I don't let, have me, a mic. Let, me, let me actually turn on a mic. Okay, for you. that helps. Just me. once. Although we I, yeah. will not be having Peter Laurie next week. Oh. Okay. That was next week in 19. Oh. Uh, no, I 1945. Want him now. No, I want him now. Well, I'll see what I can do for yeah, you. Yes, see if you can arrange I, that. I, please. I, whatever you say, you're, you're the boss. So. <laughs> Am I? Am I really? Here no, I am. No, you're not. Murder at Midnight is the next one we're going to be uh, talking about, and I love this. It's the description. It's it's uh it's called "Until uh, Death Do Us Part." A new bridegroom feels a compulsion to strangle his bride. That's it, right. Well, that makes that's relatable. Sense now, doesn't it? It's relatable. Roger, are you still there? Oh no, it's uh it's David Jennings. I mean, that's a that's a plausible plot. We're going to go to commercial, mm-hmm. and then we'll come back and talk a little bit. <laughs> All right, David, I'll grab you in a minute. <laughs> All right, we'll be right back. So next hour, we not only have another uh, guess that song, and we're going to be giving away a desktop indoor weather station. We have murder at. Midnight from 1946 till death do us part. And here's the, here's the thing. So a new bridegroom feels a compulsion to strangle his bride. Is that something you can relate to as well, Dave? I can. can David you? Jennings, I think you could too. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Being annoyed with your partner, yes. Yeah, either way. Wanting it's, to it's strangle them, or, no. I think yeah. that's just the same <laughs> thing. Annoyance and strangle, I think that's the same. Okay, okay, Lisa, it's a good thing I'm not married to you, okay? <laughs> yeah, Tell me so. about it. We would, <laughs> Dave, we would not sleep, okay? Yeah, that's, like, true. Mm-hmm. that's true. true. There yeah. is a surprise ending on this, so you'll have to okay. wait. There's a big twist right. ending, and of course, okay. Raymond Morgan is your host. I like that. Thank you. That's going to be exciting. Yeah, I, I, I choose only the good stuff. It is a Halloween theme, and we're going to have some great, scary programming all the way up till uh, Halloween. Here, what are you doing for Halloween, Dave? Here's what's me. Yeah. Oh, taking my seven year old to trick or treating. Oh, obviously. so you still have a baby? Yeah, You're my lucky. son. Yeah, my son will go up to University of Iowa and trick or treat with his girlfriend, hang out and party. And your seven year old and my eighteen year old, and then my daughter <laughs> you switched on me. I did, and then my daughter she'll go do something with her friends. Well, I'm as glad well. your seven year old doesn't yeah. have a girlfriend. But I'm going to tell you something. And we do listen to some of these old-time radio shows this time of year. Like, well, I hope you're listening to WGN Radio Theater when you listen. Of course. Okay, just making sure. You Dave? stay up late and you listen. Yes. My, my favorite Halloween listening for radio, yeah. War of the Worlds. Oh, yeah, that's a good Orson Welles. Yeah, I think the anniversary much, was last week. Yeah. Or this week. It's actually this week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 it's, it just tells you what the power of, of theater of the mind can do. Yeah. It, it made people terrified yeah, it was and it's perfect we all have our own version of it though in our heads what it looks like and that's like, the point right that is yeah. the point to all this as well i was looking at suspense we just did suspense there were almost a thousand episodes of suspense yeah suspense ran a crazy. really long time carl would know the exact dates of that i do not murder at midnight on the other side of the news oh do i still have some time oh you're you're, you're a minute ahead <laughs> It's fifty nine fifty. Like, wait, oh what just my happened god! I'm so I'm so like locked into having to just be on time. That's okay. I'm going to keep you on which time. I normally am not. But anyway, me. we were talking about a thousand episodes of of suspense, <laughs> suspense in here. Suspense was on a really long time. First episode was directed by whom? The first episode of suspense. Yeah, it's a pilot. Um, Alfred Hitchcock. Oh, yeah. Well, that was a, that would have been a good guess because there was. I a, didn't know he did radio first. He did this yeah. one. It was called the the. the the adaptation was called Forecast. I think that was the precursor to suspense and all this. 
And so he wrote, he, uh, he did the first, uh, official episode before it became a series. Well, he obviously did a good job because suspense was on many, many years. And now we're going to tell you that Murder at Midnight is going to be on the other side of the news. We'll be right back. And we're back at the WGN Radio Theater. Stay plier in for Carl Amari. Lisa Wolf, of course, sitting right next to me. Right. You can't get rid of me so can't fast. Can't do that. Can't do that. <laughs> Carl's having uh, some work done. Is he having the other side of his face done? Uh, he could use it. I'm not sure. <laughs> he could use it. It's been odd for the past year looking at him like that. Yeah. But, yeah. You know, he's you his own. You to pick a side. <laughs> it's right one side at a time. That's right. This is hour two. We're going to be looking forward to Murder at Midnight from December 9th, 1946, Till Death Do Us Part, hosted by Raymond Morgan. And this was a mutual broadcasting show, so this originally aired on WGN. Yeah, is cool? In, the ni- in 1950, because I think it was a pretty short-lived series. It was like 50 episodes of... Uh, produced, but we were a mutual affiliate, so you would have heard this. Right here. Roger would have heard this, probably, in 1950. Not us, because we're too young. (laughs) Way. Exactly. Exactly. Well, we're going to go on to uh, do our Cat's Pride Guess That Song. Hmm. We are still in 1975. I'm hoping you'll be helpful this hour. How old were you in 75? How old was I? (laughs) I was not born yet. (laughs) So we're going to... very good, Lisa There you go. We're going to be looking for (laughs) caller number five. You can call right now, 312-981. 7200 and we'll be right back guess that song well i would have said guess that song but roger does it better so i'm going to leave it to the pro to announce that that was roger's voice and um we have joy on the phone to play uh guess that song hi joy hi how are you Finally, so good. Hi, Dave. Hey, good morning. Oh, I said hi. I know. I will not do that. <laughs> Aw, come on. He's listening from I the West Coast. With a cat on my shoulder. Oh, that's so nice. <laughs> she wants to hear too. Of course she does. Well, I'm glad you made it through. We're going to play a little guess that song. We are at 1975. I think you're going to do really well. Let's hear a free a few seconds of our first song. Oh, you know oh God! The Bee Gees. Yes, um, it is the Bee Gees. Yeah. What is the name? <laughs> Sometimes, if you—that's right. Boy, Dave. Oh, don't Dave, not, Dave, uh, Dave. Um, Come on, Dave. Oh, I should know this. Come on. <laughs> All right, you two. Let's hear. Let's hear a little bit. Um, Dave is still thinking. It's <laughs> no, I'm not thinking. I'm on Google, and I still can't figure <laughs> it out. There's no Google. There's no Google here. It's Jive Talking, and you know the funny thing about this? This was called Drive Talking in its early stages, but the producer suggested the change to Jive so they oh. could appeal to teenagers. You know, that was it. Jive, that was okay. it. Okay, all right. That's how I like it goes. It. Right? It's a great song. All right. Lisa, let's... what does she win? Oh, no, well, we're doing another one. Let's go. <laughs> Not quite yet. All right. Okay, let's get to number two. Dave. There, Dave. Come on, Dave. Put Let your phone pay. away. Let There'll me pay be no attention. computers. Are you ready? I wasn't in uh, get, rehearsal. Get, no computers. Here we go. <laughs> let's hear right. number two. All right, Joy. I've got faith in you. Get it? I've got faith in you, Joy. <laughs> I'm Julie. I don't know if you're saying. Oh, oh I'm so sorry. That's okay. I Joy no, on right. my computer. Oh, gosh. I'll call you Julie. Let me, i got to think of the song. 
Come on, Dave. You are a lousy oh, life. I'm going to tell you something. And I'm, I'm like, spent like 15 years in the music business. I have no idea what the hell and that I song know, is. I always know every song. All my life. Oh, you know what? You know them until you're on the radio. That's how it yeah, works. Okay, let's hear it. Pressure. You'll know so it when you hear it. That's it. Sure can be, be a friend, friend of, mine. of mine. This is Mrs. <laughs> Prom song. That's how she knows it. <laughs> there it is. It's yep. America, Sister Goldie. Oh, Come man. on, you know America. I would have never even. I, I do. I know the song. I would have never guessed the artist. All right. So the group recorded a version in Spanish called Hermana de Cabellos Dorados. I can't Same believe thing. I suck as much as Carl does on no, this game. No, you're worse. You're absolutely worse. <laughs> All right. Julie, well, I you... should know that because I had a fellow <laughs> sing it to me one time. Oh, there you go. Uh, Julie, That's you're going to cool, know Julie. all the songs for the next hour, though, for sure. But, yeah, but so I'm so glad I got through, and, and I really enjoy your show. That's, you know, Both I... of you. I mean, I, I do. I just love WGN. So. Thank you, Julie. You're still the winner. You've won the desktop indoor weather station. It's brought to you by American Weathermakers Heating and Cooling, the 60-Minute Man. Visit AmericanWeathermakers.com. I love my indoor weather station. You will, too. Thank you so much for playing. It was a lot of fun. Okay, thank you, guys. Thank Take you. care. Thanks, Julie. All right, what do we got coming up? Murder at Midnight uh, from 1950 till death do us part. Um. Murder. Midnight. So lovely. Everything about you. Your eyes, your lips, your lovely white throat. I can feel it pulsing under my hands. Throbbing. Don't, Frank, you're hurting me. You're choking me. You're... No! Midnight. The witching hour when the night is darkest, our fears the strongest, and our strength at its lowest ebb. Midnight, when the graves gape open and death strikes. How? You'll learn the answer in just a minute in Till Death Do Us Part. And now, Murder at Midnight. Tales of Mystery and Terror by Radio's Masters of the Macabre. Our story by Joseph Ruskell is Till Death Do Us Part. Tent of blue, which prisoners call the sky. Ruth, I want to tell you something. Put down that book and listen. Hmm? I love you. <laughs> some love too little, some too long. Some sell and others buy. Some do the deed with many tears, and some without a sigh. You hear me, I love you. Some do it with a bitter look. Some with a flattering word. Professor Clark. Yes, Professor Clark. Love me, darling. Wildly. Put the book away. Almost there now. Bridal suite waiting. Oh, Frank. Promise you'll always love me. Till death do us part. Another glass, darling. (laughs) 
Come on. It's sweet to dance to violins when love and life are fair. To dance to flutes, to dance to lutes is delicate and rare. But it is not so sweet with nimble feet to... Uh... To dance upon the air. Frank. Darling. You've hardly kissed me. Why are you looking at me like that? You're so lovely. Come over here to the couch. <laughs> A shy bridegroom in this day and age? Darling, why are you acting so strangely? Well, if the mountain won't come to Mohammed... Come here, my lord and master. Kiss me. Oh, Ruth, I love you so much. <laughs> Uh, darling, why do you keep staring at me like that? Frank! Ruth, no. Uh, darling, what's the matter? I don't know. Please, Frank, after all... No, don't come near me. Don't touch I... me. Ruth, something terrible is happening to me. It's a feeling... It's too dreadful to believe. What is it? When I take you in my arms, when I kiss you, I love you and I want you so that I feel a hideous urge to... To what, darling? To strangle you to death. up now. Morning, Professor. Morning, Professor. Life is wonderful. Wonderful. <laughs> Tom? Thank you. Leave us into the parlor, husband. Yes. Leave us eat, my bride. <laughs> <laughs> ah! What, what feast is this that tempts me palate? Fall to, spouse. <laughs> Citrus! My favorite ice squirt. <laughs> I, I'm so happy, I feel like dancing. It's sweet to dance to violin. Yeah, that's right, how's it go? It's sweet to dance to violin. When love and life are fair. Eat, dear. What's wrong? I guess I'm not very hungry. Frank, you're thinking of that incident last night again. You are, aren't you? How could I have said that to you? I can't understand it. What got into me? Now, darling, you're to forget it. Don't talk about it anymore. Don't even think of it. It was just your little joke. Some joke. Wonder I didn't frighten you to death. Well... And the funny thing is, the next minute I was laughing at myself, and so were you. But when I said it, I... Ruth, I... I, I, I can't explain it. I can't eat now. Frank. It was like an obsession. Yes, that's it. It, 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 it was... It, it was an obsession. Ruth, you're a psychologist. What does it mean? To have felt that horrible urge to, to do that to you. To you, I must have been mad. Now, darling, don't say that. Don't spoil our honeymoon with this nonsense. You'll be talking things into yourself. I don't know what it is. Your, your nerves are on edge from your accident, that terrible crash just three months ago. Please, Ruth, please, I don't want to think about it. I can still see it, that horrible, twisted wreckage. Well, you're lucky you're alive. Be thankful, I She am. was hitting 80, showing off. I couldn't stop her, that daffy little sister of yours. Darling. I'm sorry, dear. I'm sorry. I guess I have felt as awful about it as you did. Brilliant student could have been one of my best if she'd ever opened a book. The poor kid went away to die. Maybe if I, if I hadn't accepted a lift to town, who knows? She might still now, be... Now, please, please, darling. Let's forget it. It's not good for you. You haven't been at all yourself ever since then. No, I haven't. Have I? Well, everything has its compensation, dear. 
After all, that's what brought us together. Closely, I mean. Yes, that's right. In the hospital, what... You were an angel. Well, you were just an angel from heaven, the way you helped to nurse me through all that time, when I was only half conscious, nursed me and read to me. Read to me. Yes, the way you read to me. Why do you say it like that, Frank? Well, I don't know. There's something you read to me over and over when I was barely conscious. I've heard it ever since, deep down... I can't seem to recall it, but I feel that it had something to do with my crazy behavior last night. A, a line. It's still with me. It never seems to leave me. Seems to make me want to do something horrible. Now, Frank, stop talking. You're ill again. You're pale as a ghost. What is that line? I've got to know. Please, darling, please stop shouting. I'm with you. Your love is with you. Now, now kiss me, dear. Hold me tight. Oh, so lovely. Everything about you. Your eyes, your lips, your lovely white throat. I feel it pulsing. I can feel your throat pulsing, darling, in my hands. Pulsing. No, Frank. You're hurting me. Oh, you're choking me. No! Yes, sir. I'm checking out. Uh, room number 438. C uh, call me a cab. From the bridal suite? Well, just a moment. There's something wrong, sir. You and your wife just checked in last night. Any complaint? No, no complaint. Just call me a cab. Oh, an emergency. What business is it of yours? Where's another hotel? Why, you'll find it very difficult in New York without a reservation. And if you and your wife... I'm only... checking out. Who said anything about my wife? She's better off without me, do you hear? Well, what are you gawking at? She's very lovely, remember? Would you make a nice corpse in a bridal suite? <laughs> oh, go to the devil. Where to now, mister? Where now? Uh, just shake off that other cab. I did. Three hours ago. I told you ten times. What now? Just drive around the park. We've been around and around and around. How long can this go on? That line. What was that line? What was it? Huh? What was that line? Look, pal, we're going over that again, too. What line? You want the Seventh Avenue line? If I'm not talking out of turn, but you must have lifted quite a few today. Get me to a hotel. We tried a dozen. Remember that full up? Hey, just who are you, mister? What's your racket? What's that to you? Okay, okay, I just asked. I was a teacher, cabbie, in a woman's college. But that's only a blind. My name is Jack the Ripper, see? But some people just call me Bluebeard. <laughs> huh? This is the end of my line, chum. Hey up and get out. No, no, I won't. You can't make me get out. You can't. I can't, huh? No, because if I do get out, I may go back. And if I go back, don't you understand? I'll kill her. Poor richer, or poorer, in sickness and in health till 
death do us part. A bridegroom, dazed and obsessed, standing on a city street, fearing to return to his bride, because he knows if he does, it will mean... Murder! At midnight. All right, there we are. Those murder at midnight, and part two is coming up next on seven twenty WGN. So it's Dave and Lisa on the WGN Radio Theater. So we're listening to these great horror plays right now. But what is the one like one or two Halloween movies or TV shows you like have to watch before the season's over? Like it's a must watch. We got to squeeze it in. All right. Well, it doesn't have to be a scary thing. I mean, Halloween no, can no. be, you know, the thing I always enjoyed with my kids every year was it's the great pumpkin. Oh, Charlie yeah, yeah, Brown. Yeah. I mean, that's the yeah. best, right? Yeah. Even though I love it, too. Uh, it, it's I, I make it more about the kids. Kids, we got to watch it. That's but I, right. But it's for me. It's of for course. Me too. It's, yeah. you, know, you still have a little kid in you. What What is one year of your favorite? Do you have a scary movie, though? Do I have a scary movie? Yeah. I mean, there's always Scream, that kind of stuff. Ooh, look at you. Yeah, okay. that's fun. Speaking of Scream. My, so kids, this is a good, my kids get Thank afraid. you for the segue. So Scream, I have David Arquette on at 4 o'clock during my show. We're going to talk about, he's in the um, in the new uh, AMC Shutter series Creep Show. So there's a reboot. Adrienne Barbeau is in it. Oh, Like yeah. she was in 82. I remember She is her. in the show as well. So we're going to talk so about that. So Dave Slayer is doing double duty. Yeah, you tonight. got me for six hours tonight. That's a lot of Dave Plyer. I'm trying to think. It, that's what my wife said. That's what my wife <laughs> that's, says that every I didn't say damn it was too day. Much. I just said it's it's a lot. I think I did. I think the longest radio I've ever done is seven and a half hours straight. That might be too much, Dave. Plyer. I got on air after a Northwestern game at like ten twenty because it ended early. Right. And they then, never end early. No, and they didn't want Nick to come in. They're like, well, just just wrap just, up that right, show at that time. That's do. who was on before me. And I was on midnight to five, and then I did all the way to five, and then our Charlie Potter show, our our uh, great outdoor yeah, show. Yeah, he tapes that, and so um, I remember Bob, the engineer, through the window, looked at me and said, "I can't. We don't have the USB. Another half hour. You're on it. <laughs> You're on it till the religion <laughs> nothing, nothing shows. Nothing like live radio. Till the Lutheran hour, which was really only a half hour, uh, started. That was. So how did yeah. you do? Um. I was mentally shot. Yeah, but what did our listeners think? How do they think? I you think did? they probably thought I did all right. I'll have to ask. But them. I felt like I had too much of me. You probably did. It's probably <laughs> so, if you thought it was, it probably was. So six hours tonight, Svenguli and uh, and David Arquette and some other cool stuff too. All right, so we are going to be right back with uh, the second part of Murder at Midnight after these words. All right, it's uh, the WGN Radio Theater. It's Dave and Lisa, and now part two of Murder at Midnight from December 9th, 1946. It's called Till Death Do Us Part. July. July 12th, 1946. Murder really? at Midnight, July 12th, 1946, part two. Biscuit. Here we go. There we go. <laughs> and now, back to Murder at Midnight and... Till death do us part. Yes? What do you want? Good evening, sir. My name is Bluebeard. You're the proprietor of this charming boarding house. You're drunk. Forsooth, tis true. May I tarry the night? No vacancies. Go on now, get on your way. Where's his room? Top floor, 
Rear, Mrs. Clark. He came in about an hour ago, drunk as you please, and he asked for a single. I'm not one to rent to drunks, mind you, but uh, I can see he's real educated and a gentleman, though a queer one, if you ask me, with his eyes all bloodshot. Well, here it is. Did he say when he'll be back? He said he was going for his bags. I'll just wait in his room, if you don't mind. Hmm. It's all right. I'm his wife, I tell you. Well, I don't know. Something mighty fishy about all this. Well, excuse me. There's the hall phone. It's not one thing, it's another. All right, all right. Hello? Yes? Who? Who? Oh, just a minute. It's him, ma'am. He wants to talk to the lady who just came in. Let me speak to him. Hello, Frank. I saw you go in. What are you doing in my house? Darling, it's so good to hear your voice again. I was so worried. Answer me. What are you doing there? How did you know where to find me? I've been following you everywhere. I don't want you to leave me, darling. I love you. Get out of there. Stop haunting me. I'm no good for you. Haven't you had enough? Go away. I won't. You need me. I'm your wife. Come back to me, Frank. Frank, how can you still want me? What are you inviting? Why don't you take a train home? Do you want to die? You know I'll kill you the next time we're alone. You know I've gone mad. Now, don't say that. You're just ill, and I'll nurse you back to health. Oh, Frank, this is your wife talking. What sort of spineless thing do you suppose you've married? What would you have me do, run to the police and ask them to protect me from my husband? Run to the police and cry that the man I love wants to kill me? Run to the police and police, tell Police, that's right. Of course. Why didn't I think of that before? No, Frank. Frank! Frank, what are you going to do? Have a seat, Mrs. Clark. What is it you want of me, Inspector Wade? Why was I called here to the police station? You've no idea? No. Oh, is he here, my husband? He told you? But I thought he was just drunk. Oh, I told him not to come here. I told him not to. Then it's all true? <laughs> this beats anything I've ever heard. Man loves wife so much he wants to strangle her, kisses her, gets an irresistible yen to choke her to death, and on their honeymoon... You want to prefer charges? Prefer charges? What for? Well, attempted homicide ought to cover it. I won't. He's my husband. I love him. I'll stick by him no matter what. But he ought to at least be sent to Bellevue for a mental... Oh, no, you won't. There's nothing mentally wrong with Frank. Nothing at all. It's simply nerves, the result of an accident he had recently. <laughs> this really takes the cake. Mrs. Clark, another thing that puzzles me. Yes? He kept raving about a line when he staggered in here, as if it were life or death. A line of poetry he couldn't remember. Wanted me to tell him what it was. <laughs> Confidentially, I've only read one poem in my life. Now, now, what's what's that all about? I haven't the vaguest notion, Inspector. Just part of his neurotic state, I suppose. When we get back to our hotel room, What? I... You want him back after what happened? Yes. Don't you see, I must cure him of that awful obsession. Who else can do it but me? I I'd like to see him now, Inspector. Please release him to me. I'll take the consequences. He's not here. Not here? No. We held him overnight just to let him sober up like we would any other drunk. But it was just all boozy eyewash. This morning he seemed a new man and laughed it all off. So we released him. Just a few minutes ago. Oh, wonderful. But then I had a hunch I ought to warn you anyway. Just a hunch. Warn me? Yeah. He said he was going to call on you tonight at the hotel for a little reunion. Oh, how marvelous. Maybe he's all cured. I don't know. I didn't like the way he, 
He smiled when he said it. Mrs. Clark, after what you just told me, I think I ought to have him picked up again. You'll do no such thing. It's taking your life in your hands. I think he's got wheels in his head. I don't care. I love him. You die just as dead when you're in love. I'm not afraid. I'll never leave him. Certainly not now when he needs me more than ever. Is that all, Inspector? Okay, lady. <laughs> you're 14 carat. He sure doesn't deserve a wife like you. And don't say I didn't warn you. It's your funeral. Thank you, Inspector. Goodbye. Oh, uh, Mrs. Clark, there's one more thing perhaps I ought to tell you. Yes. When I released him just a while ago, he said something else that puzzled me. That being in jail had suddenly given him revelation. He smiled very queerly when he said it. Oh? I think maybe he, uh, he found that line of poetry, Mrs. Clark. Hello? Ruth? Where are you, Frank? In the lobby. Come up. I don't know exactly what your game is, my sweet bride, but I'm warning you, I've had revelation. I know. It's high time. I'm going to finish it, Ruth, this time. You asked for it. Come up, Frank. Sure? Sure. Your funeral... Howard does it with a kiss. Come in, Frank. The door's open. Throwing a party, my dear? Yes. Who's invited? You and I. What are we celebrating? An uninvited guest at our honeymoon. Death has come with you, hasn't it, this time? Yes. Shall we drink, Lynn? Why not? Do you still love me, Frank? Yes, I still love you. But I love you better when you're dead for what you've done. How much do you know? Not enough. It came to me in jail last night. The jail had something to do with it. How, I still don't know. But enough to make me remember something you whispered in the hospital when I was just coming to. You said... I'll get my revenge, Frank. Do you hear me? I'll get my revenge. Splendid. A, from memory. What else? Enough to make me realize that you hate me and have always hated me, although you pretended otherwise. Brilliant. Say loved and hated you. Go on. And that somehow, I don't know myself in what way, but I'm sure it must be a very clever way, as your psychology students would agree. You've been coldly, deliberately torturing me, trying to make me think myself a maniac, or have others think so. Close enough. Why, what I can't understand is why you did it, or why you weren't afraid that I'd really murder you. You'll soon find out. And I'm convinced now that you've done it all with a single line. A single line. Poetry. In my jail cell, I was sure of it. The very walls seemed to tell me, I don't know why, that it was a line that you kept reading to me at the hospital over and over and over again that made me think I wanted to kill you. And what was that line? That's what I'm going to find out right now. Don't come any closer, Professor. I know it's perfectly ridiculous. Looking at you now, close to you where I can almost touch you, that crazy obsession is still with me. 
I laugh at it intellectually. I know that you've tricked me into it by some very obvious power of suggestion, but I still... I still feel that way. Don't come any nearer. I'm warning you. Isn't it eerie? I still love you and can strangle you for my love. And will. Uh, Stay where you are. You're not going to kill me, darling. I'm going to kill you. Now, do you see why I wasn't afraid of you? That gun. You've had it all the time. Correct, my love. Right here in the wine table drawer. I've planned this all along, Angel. From the very first. Before we were even married. Yes, your intuition was right. From the day you and my little sister were brought to the hospital after the accident. From the day she died. And the doctor said you'd pull through. I planned it all. And it's worked out like a perfect equation every step of the way. Why? Why? I hadn't committed the perfect crime and I've done it. Even the police will testify that it was self-defense against a homicidal maniac. And when they find you here with a bullet in your head, they'll congratulate me. But what's this? I still don't understand. It had to be the perfect crime because I must go free. You see, one life has already paid for yours. And quart for quart, your blood is worth no more than my family's. I don't understand this at all. What did I ever do? You killed my sister. I killed her? She told me before she left on that drive with you that she was going to crash the car. She left before I could stop her. She told me everything, Frank, including what you'd done to her. Everything. I see. So that's it. Well, I don't suppose it would be of any use my trying to convince you. No, no use. I've waited a long time for this moment. Revenge is sweet. And it was such fun to torture you. I used a weapon I knew. Of course, it was power of suggestion. Sure, you guessed it. But what a pity you don't know the line yet. What was it? What was it? Tell me. Tell me. Don't keep me in torture. Keep back. Think hard, Frank. Think all around it. What about a jail and the revelation it gave you? What about a famous poet who wrote a famous poem while in jail? Why... Yes, yes? Oscar Wilde. That's it. Yes, that's it from Oscar Wilde. A ballad. Of course, a ballad. The ballad of Reading Jail. How could it ever have escaped me? Why, you witch, you've even been reading from it on our honeymoon. <laughs> but what part? What verse? What line? What was the line? Don't take another step or I'll pull the trigger. Give me the line. I say I still can't think of the keep line. Keep back, keep back or I'll shoot. Oh, no, you won't. One more step and I'll shoot. Tell me that line or I'll kill you. All men kill the thing they love. Remember, Frank? How's the next line go, Mrs. Clark? (laughs) By all, let this be heard. So I heard. Too bad I was a little late. Inspector Wade. You know, ma'am, like I said, I only read one poem in my whole life. But ain't it the darndest thing? It happened to be the Ballad of Reading Jail. Till death do us part. A honeymoon in the bridal suite. Red wine spilled on the table. Red blood on the floor as the clock strikes twelve for murder. 
again when death's key turns in the lock and the clocks strike twelve for murder at midnight. The part of Professor Ruth Clark was played by Elspeth Eric, Professor Frank Clark by Eric Dressler. With music by Charles Paul, Murder at Midnight was directed by Anton M. Leader. Hope you enjoyed that. That was part two of Murder at Midnight from July 12, 1946, Till the Death Do Us Part, um, with Raymond Morgan as your host. We're going to be right back after a few words. All right, State Player and uh, Lisa Wolf here on WGN Radio Theater. Carl is uh, Out. getting a facial. Yeah. <laughs> Something. <laughs> What's going on? What do we got coming up, Lisa? Um, well, in hour three, we have yeah. the Weird Circle. That's from August 19th, 1943, called What Was It? Starring oh. Arnold Moss. And uh, you know what we're going to do a little bit before that? We're going to do a little uh, Halloween quiz. Oh, okay. All right. What do we got? Yep. All right. You ready, Dave? Yes. Before people use pumpkins, what were jack-o'-lanterns B. made of? Yes, that's correct. <laughs> um, what do you know? What were Jack Roger? Yeah. Um, <laughs> Roger. I would assume <laughs> people Roger's in Jack like, people in Jack's family. You want me to give you the the? It, well, it's uh, got to be some kind of uh, a fruit or a vegetable. Well, that's pretty good, Roger. <laughs> I'm going with that for right All now. Right. I'm going to say wood from, um, from Roger's. No, because it would have been <laughs> it would have burned with the candle in it. Then all right, I'll Is give there, you I'll give you some choices. Watermelon, yeah. okay? Is it yeah, do some multiple bananas, choices. onions, potatoes, or turnips? Oh, I'll go with the potatoes. I'm going to go with the turnip. Good, very good, Dave. Let's go with the turnip. There <laughs> yeah. you go. That's because no yep. one wanted to eat turnips. Okay. Yeah. All right. Ugh. All right. You ready? Yep. Pumpkins come in lots of different colors, but which one of these is made up? Okay. Blue pumpkins, green pumpkins, white pumpkins, or glow-in-the-dark purple pumpkins? Mmm, <laughs> <laughs> this is a tough one, Dave. I, know, that's really I don't know. I'll say blue. Okay, I'm going to go to the next one. Are you ready? All right, Where yeah. is Transylvania? Oh, um, we have to say it right. Pennsylvania? Transylvania. 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 Yeah. Uh, isn't it like in Croatia, that area? Dave? He said Pennsylvania. No, Transylvania. I said Transylvania. Transylvania. Uh, yeah. Russia, Romania. 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 Oh, look at that. Yeah. Yeah. You are yeah. right. Yeah. All right. Very good. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, which of these would be most useful if a werewolf attacked you? Okay. Mm-hmm. A gun with silver. A gun with silver bullets. Okay. A big stick. <laughs> a cardboard box to hide in, or a ten-second head start to run away. Chase the stick, Fido. <laughs> Yeah, no, I'm going to run like hell, so I'll take the five seconds. Um, oh, I got a silver bullet. There you go. Yeah. It's a silver bullet. You're talking about Transylvania. There's a tombstone, mm-hmm. Arizona. 
Okay, I know about that. I can add on to this. A Seven Devils, North Carolina. Ooh. A Death Valley, of course. Oh, Carolina. Death Valley, Death sure. Valley, of course. Yep, yep. Dead Man Landing in Florida. And I've never been to any of these places. Wow. And, of course, Erie, Pennsylvania. Very right. Erie. Okay. Mm-hmm. How about Hotel California? <laughs> You know, you can, you can you know, go you, in, you but go, you can, can never, never get leave. out. That's you right. Can never that's right. Leave. Yeah. About that. yeah. right? That's <laughs> a good one. I'm sorry. Carry on. Uh, carry on. All right. Here's your last question. Yeah. When do werewolves transform themselves? Oh. Now, Carl knows this one. I'm just going to put it out there. When do they transform themselves? Carl knows I know the answer it. to this one. When? Well, tell him to call in. Oh, yeah, he should call in yeah. and answer the question. Oh, he's drunk. I know. No, when the, drunk, when the moon okay. the moon is full. That is right. When there's a full moon. Mm-hmm. Ding, 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 ding. Thank you. <laughs> Look at that. <laughs> so uh, are you a big fan of Halloween, Dave? I am as far like as your like... holiday? What is your holiday? No, you my holiday is Christmas, probably. Christmas. Yeah. I've, I've been to your house many times yeah. in the Christmas season. Yeah. And I have to say it is something to behold. Yeah, we do. We, I mean, we don't overdo that. But I mean, if we're going to have a party, we're going to have a party. You know what I mean? No. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about that if you were going to have a party party thing. Yeah. No, Halloween, you know what? I mean, we we dress up the house and do the outside and all that other good stuff, too. But uh, well, see, you it's still more have about... a seven-year-old, too. I do. I and do. it's so about it's the different. kids. But even my oldest is going to get dressed up and go trick-or-treating. Well, you taught him that. Yes, that's That's, that's just correct. what you've instilled in your children. But it is about, you know, watching the movies like we we just have so, and i didn't get to some of these That's but we were right. talking about uh, we were talking about pumpkin. scream and we talked about the great pumpkin charlie brown yeah. what are some of your favorites i would say the traditional ones i like watching psycho yeah um halloween not so much friday the 13th because it's pretty goofy uh but halloween and i would say abbott costello meets frankenstein mm, that is great that is an absolute classic for me. So do you watch any that aren't scary, but just have that Halloween? What is the one that I, I'm trying to well, think Monsters of what it's Inc. called? My son and I oh, watch that's those. A good like, one. like those are Ghostbusters. What about like or... Halloween Town? We, we've watched mm. all of those. Do you watch mm. Halloween Town? Have you ever seen the those Paul Lind Halloween special? No. It's on, it's on Prime. It's Amazon free on Prime. Prime Amazon Prime. That. And it's also on YouTube. Let me tell you, this is the most unusual uh, I, I can't remember who's well, on there. Isn't it like unusual? It's, it's like the Globetrotters, I think, are on there. Seriously, seriously, it's it's the weirdest lineup. Yeah. Like Dave said, it's it is the strangest TV show of any kind yeah. at any time. But, so, what year was that on? Do you know? Um, right this there? was nineteen seventy six. Here's the guest stars. Okay, so H and R Puffins. Oh, mm-hmm. H. Tim Conway. Puffin. Oh, yeah. Roz Kelly, who is Pinky Tuscadero from Happy Days. She's there as Pinky Tuscadero. <laughs> um, Florence Henderson, Kiss. Wow. Billy yeah. Barty, Betty White. Oh, yeah. Donnie Marie Osmond, and then the two witches in, in history that made an impact was Margaret Hamilton from The Wizard, Wizard of Oz. Wizard of Oz, yeah. Right. 40 years later, in green makeup, in the talking in the role, which is crazy. And then who's the witch from H.R. Uh, Puff and stuff? Um, witchy. Witchy, witchy Poo. Witchy yeah. Poo. Uh, Billy Hayes. Wow. It was a, the, it was a that. it was like the Star Wars holiday special. <laughs> if you've ever seen just that. That's just speaking, a, yeah, speaking terrible. of Donnie and Marie, I, yeah. when I was in Las Vegas last week, I could not get tickets to see them because their show is closing after yeah, all of the years up, they've right? been there and I yeah. think it's closing next month. Yeah. And uh, there's no more tickets to be had, not even for me, which is you know. Really no, they're going their own <laughs> ways, brother and sister. Well, yeah. uh, you know what? Marie Osmond is on 
the talk right now. Oh, that's why. Right? She's yeah. busy. She's doing a really good job there. And she talks about her brother all the time. So um, they're kind of wrapping things up, which is, you know, bittersweet. Why aren't we stretching time? Because Carl made the show too short. Well, I just want to know if Maria is still just a little bit country. And she's a little bit rock oh. and roll. Oh, she's the ro- okay. okay. <laughs> I just get it. Together. It's been a while. Get it I know. Together for I know. Sake. Well, you know what? We've got a great hour coming up with the weird circle. You know about this this episode, Dave? Yes. It's an invisible flesh eating monster is captured. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be crazy. That reminds me of another show called The Dark by Arch Obler. Have oh. you ever heard that one? Yeah, we've played that. Yeah, yeah. I love that. It's sort of Wally Phillips. That was an old Wally Phillips thing. This Weird Circle was another thing that it was a uh, mutual broadcasting company show. So it obviously aired originally on, on WGN Radio. Which would be the best place for it to air, of course. Here we are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, yes, it's the old brown house on 49th Street that's believed to be haunted. But when the boarders at the boarding house hear the tales, they don't believe them. So it's enough to get them curious enough to move in and get to the bottom of the mystery. Do you have any? I was going to say, do you believe in like ghosts in a house? Do you believe in the supernatural? Oh, a little bit. A little like bit? there's some eeriness about. Yeah, a How about your bit. house in particular? Is there no, something going no. on in there? No, my house used to be <laughs> um, on the property. Was a schoolhouse back. Uh, in the like the turn of the century, early 1920s. Your house is that old? Was it? No, it's not. It's brand new. But what was on the property was the oh. old schoolhouse. And then did you build your house? And then, uh, no, somebody right before me did. Okay. Like just a couple years before me. Well, yeah. So you never know what happened before you got. But there. like when they hear something goofy, like my daughter will be like, like I the hear door something. creaks. I'll be like, it's one of the school kids going. <laughs> They're not here. The house isn't even here. I'm like, okay, That's right. whatever. Well, anyways, we are. We have a great uh, hour, so stay with us. We've got the weird circle, and we're. Going going to be giving away another desktop indoor weather station. We'll be right back. All right, it's Dave Player and Lisa Wolf on the WGN Radio Theater. Carl is off tonight. And coming up is The Weird Circle. The series was produced at RCA's New York Studios, licensed by Mutual Broadcasting, which again uh, aired right here on WGN Radios. It was a short-lived series, 39 shows uh, each season, 78 total, mostly adaptations of classic horror stories by respected supernatural fiction authors like Edgar, Edgar, Edgar Allan Poe, Robert Louis Sullivan, and Charles Dickens. But first, Lisa. Yes, I'm still here, and we, <laughs> I haven't yeah. left you yet. Nope. We're going to do a little Guess That song, yes, uh, we sponsored are. by uh, Cat's Pride, our, one of our wonderful sponsors. And we are still on 1975. I'm going to ask for caller number five. You can call right now, 312-981-7200. Give us a call, and we'll be right back. Tonight, hey, it's Brent Seabrook. We play the Washington Capitals. Wrap up the weekend from the United Center with the Hawks and the Caps. The pregame at 5.30. John and Dre with the puck drop at 6. Chicago Hockey is on Blackhawks Radio. 720 WGN. Dick, before we were married, how did you know that I was the one for you? Elizabeth, as I recall, you told me that you were the one for me. Hi, I'm Elizabeth with my husband, Dick Hoxchild, owner of American Weathermakers Heating and Cooling. Dick, how do you know when a furnace is about to break down? I don't. That's why American Weathermakers has our 60-minute men promise. If you have no heat, we'll be there in 60 minutes or give you a free $60 gift card for the repair. Plus, American Weathermakers never charges traveler overtime. And we offer a lifetime warranty on our repairs. You'll also find that we have the best prices on the top furnace and air conditioner brands every day. So now you know American Weathermakers is the one for you. American Weathermakers, we won't be 
That's 855-955-HVAC or visit AmericanWeathermakers.com. Hi, this is Lisa Wolf. Check out the Classic Radio Club at ClassicRadioClub.com, where each month you can receive 10 of the greatest classic radio shows of all time on five CDs in a collector case. Join now and receive your first month's 10 classic radio shows on five CDs, regularly priced at $39.95 for only $1 plus shipping and handling. Choose the digital option and receive your 10 classic radio shows via email and we'll eliminate the shipping and handling. Each month, we'll select 10 more of the greatest classic radio shows of all time from our library of over 100,000 shows and send them to you. And I promise, every show will be superior sound quality and you'll never receive a duplicate show. Log on to ClassicRadioClub.com and receive your first month's 10 classic radio shows for only $1. Join now at ClassicRadioClub.com. That's ClassicRadioClub.com. Nikon Auctions, Chicago 2019. The world's largest collector car auction company returns to the Schaumburg Convention Center. 1,000 muscle cars, classics, Corvettes, hot rods, resto mods, and more October 24th through 26th. Register to bid and buy tickets now and save at Meekum.com. Broadcast live on NBCSN. It's Meekum Chicago 2019 at the Schaumburg Convention Center. The experience begins at Meekum.com. Guess that song. That song. We're going to do some 1975 uh, tunes tonight, or this morning, I should say. And we have Tom on the phone. Hi, Tom. Hold on. We'll get Tom uh, going. All right. We're going to get Tom by. on the Hold phone. On. Um, Hello, Tom. You're on 720 WGN. Hey, how's it going, guys? Good. How are you doing? Good. Good. You, you know a little bit about 1975? Uh, I'll try my best. I'm not from that era, but we'll try. <laughs> you you weren't living at that time yet? No, not yet. Okay. Well, right. I wasn't either. So, all right, let's do the first song. You know anything about is, that one? Is it Elton? I have no clue. It is Elton, Elton John. John. Okay. That's, come on. No, I, that's the all next I could... thing he was about to say was the name. <sighs> Because so, I'm living free. That's. I should have oh, used a lifeline. Come on, and you Jim. guys. Yeah, All right, let's, Jim known let's that one, play yeah. it. You know that song, no. you guys? Yeah, I know the song, but no. I wouldn't have. Yeah, it's not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. It's not in your lexicon. No. Elton All requested right. a song with the title Philadelphia Freedom okay. in honor of his friend, the tennis player, Billie Jean King. All right. Okay. All right. Let's see if you can redeem yourself on a second song. <laughs> All right. Let's take a listen. <laughs> oh, man, you are stumping the hell out of what me What is wrong with you? Yeah. Tom, help me out here. I'm you know also stumped. I have no idea. <laughs> okay. Dave, nothing? You <laughs> get nothing? nothing? You know, I'm going to be so happy when Carl knows about half of them. I'm going to think that's fantastic. Yeah, yeah I'm making him look all good, right, I'll I give think, you a clue. This, this is Paul yeah. McCartney, and oh, he was just no about to say the title right there. Let's hear it. Yes, indeed, we know that people will find a way to go no matter what the man says. Love is fine for all we know. Come on. 
Listen what the man says. Ah, no? tough one. No. Yeah. Nothing. Wow. Nothing. You guys. So what does well, Tom lose? So <laughs> Tom is the winner. You are not. Tom <laughs> yeah. is the winner. Big the storyline is that the three supervillains yeah. are claiming that the narrator's girlfriend, who is a police officer, is planning a bank robbery, which I had no idea. Of course, I know the song. Anyways, Tom, you are a winner no matter what. And for you, you will win the desktop indoor weather station brought to you by American Weathermakers Heating and Cooling, the 60-Minute Men. Visit American... You get one before Carl? Yes, you will. AmericanWeatherMakers.com. Carl will never get one. You will have one soon. So thank you so much for giving it a shot. Thanks for having me. Let me just say, these are some of the hits from 75. Love Will Keep Us Together, Rhinestone Cowboy. Oh, there's your Philadelphia Freedom. Philadelphia Son Freedom, Elton John. Son of a biscuit. It's right there. <laughs> I said to Dave earlier, I've never heard anybody say son of a biscuit till I got here. And now it's you know going to be just... Fame, cool. David Bowie, laughing in the rain, Neil Sedaka, one of these and, nights. Uh, I'm, thank God Paul I'm a country McCartney. boy. Listen to what the man said. But listen, yeah, we've yeah, yeah. got uh, four more 75 okay. songs uh, tonight. So just, is that right? When's yeah, that? Sunday night, 11 o'clock. Oh, we'll tonight. be back on the air. Oh, God, is That's it Sunday what I already? Said. It is. All right, we're going to get into the radio show. We are going to, you want to introduce yes, it? Yes, from 1943, here is Weird Circle. What was it on the WGN Radio Theater? The Weird Circle. In this cave. By the restless sea, we are met to call from out the past stories strange and weird. Bellkeeper, pull the bell so all may know we are gathered again in the weird circle. Phantoms of a world gone by speak again their immortal tale. What was it? All right, then. What was it? What was it? Nobody knows. But the house was haunted by something or somebody. The boarders here at Mrs. Dimity's boarding house didn't believe in ghosts either, myself included. But we were curious about them. That's why we voted to move into the old brownstone house on 49th Street. And once we were in, we were still convinced that ghosts don't venture abroad in a New York tenement building. The only one who wasn't quite convinced that ghosts exist only in storybooks was old Mrs. Dimity herself. But her favorite rumor, young, handsome Ned Saunders, and myself, uh, I'm Dr. Hammond, we refused to believe the ghostly nonsense. Anne Mitchell, the young sculptress who lived there, was frankly curious, while the Countess Harkavy, a fortune teller of some renown and a psychic of questionable fame, was delighted at the idea of living in a haunted house. That was in a business way, of course. It was around 11 o'clock at night when the boarders who were then assembled in that dark, dreary living room first heard what some claimed was a ghostly presence. Listen to that, Dr. Hammond. I hear it, Ned. It's an uncommon sort of sound for the wind. That is not the wind, Dr. Hammond. 
It is the cries from the spirit world. I feel it in the marrow of my bones. No, oh, say, Countess, can't you feel things in a more comfortable place? Bone structures always struck me as a most uncomfortable place to have a feeling going on. Listen, all of you. Listen. Oh, skip it. Ned, will you pass me that magazine on the shelf next to you? I think any kind of reading will be preferable to listening to old psychic ears rambling. Of course, Hey, dear. You really think this house is haunted, Countess? Yes, I do. It would be a fortunate thing for your business if the United States of America could be made ghost conscious. Dr. Hammond, you'll live to regret that remark. The Countess will take you seriously. I am serious. And talking of taking things seriously, when are you going to start taking me seriously, Anne? When you start to make a living, Ned. Oh, someday I hope I won't have to try and sell my sculptures. All art is conceived out of the fires of struggle. Well, I'm tired of struggling. Oh, if I could just create something out of the ordinary for an art exhibit, I could make a couple of hundred dollars. I've been working three months for an idea and I haven't done a thing. My poor dear Anne, as long as you doubt the extraordinary, how can you create it? She's got you there, Anne. Yes, she has, Dr. Hammond. Well, what would you suggest is a good subject for Anne to sculpt, Countess? Well, a denizen of the other world, perhaps? Oh, sure. That's rather a hot place for a girl to venture in order to sculpt the devil, isn't it? Don't speak so lightly of his satanic highness. No one knows where the devil's hand may be next. How about sculpting me, Anne? I'm an extraordinary young man. That you are, darling. Extraordinarily broke, at any rate. Oh, the woes of the world revolve on that ugly stuff called money. People take money much too seriously, Ned. Well, frankly, Dr. Hammond, if I had some of it, I wouldn't take it at all seriously. I'd scatter it around the world like a veritable windmill. Oh, frivolity. That's your trouble, my dear friends. Frivolity. You feed on it. Here in this very house is a poor earthbound spirit, and yet you ignore it. Come, Countess, you don't expect us to take it seriously. I expect nothing. What do you expect us to do? Call a spirit in and ask him to sit for me? Possibly, Anne. Possibly. Come, come, Countess. You're joking. I have never been more serious in my life. I think we ought to hold a seance and command the spirits to enter the room. That would be interesting, at least scientifically so. Nonsense, Doctor. Besides, Mrs. Dimity would never stand for it. Ever since she moved us into this house, she's been scared stiff of the very idea of spirits. Have you seen the amulet she's been wearing? Yes. <laughs> she carries it around like a sword. Why don't we ask her? <laughs> oh, we were just talking about you, Mrs. Dimity. Oh, dear. I tell you, I, I just can't stand being alone in my room. I just know something was in there with me, Anna. I just know it. The spirits probably have been attracted to you, Mrs. Dimity. I've always felt you're strongly psychic. Oh, don't say it, Countess. Don't even think about it. It was all a mistake moving into this house. All a mistake. I've just never been as nervous. Dr. Hammond, feel my pulse. Feel it. It's practically non-pulsed, so to speak. <laughs> well, I wouldn't take it seriously, Mrs. Dimity. We all know there are no such things as spirits. You see, we've been talking about the ghost for so long that at times we half believe, but that's purely imagination. It wasn't imagination at all, Dr. Hammond. You know very well there are only five of us living here. You four were downstairs and I was alone upstairs and, oh, I did hear footsteps in the hall. I opened the door and I felt something cold touch me. Ah, you see, I knew it. Oh, listen. Oh, oh. It came from upstairs. Listen, all of you. Ah, and was that also the wind, Dr. Hammond? I don't know, Countess. What do you think, Ned? Well, I think the Countess' idea of a seance is a good practical suggestion. 
I'm all for it. A seance? Oh, dear. Uh, yes, let's give it a try. Well, we're all agreed. Yes, uh, come on, let's. I think it's a good You're idea. in charge, Countess. Now tell us what to do. Well, now, for the first thing, bring your chairs into a circle, please. Oh, dear. I think someone's back in this show. Now, hold hands. Will someone turn off the lights? I'll get the switch. Good. Now we're in the dark. Quiet, please. Quiet while I summon the spirits. It is midnight, O oh spirits. Midnight. Enter the portals of our room and speak to us. Speak to us. We are gathered to commune with you who have passed on. Withhold not your secrets. Speak. Speak. It is I, Countess Harkavy, asking you to descend to this mortal plane. Answer me. Answer me. If uh, if my uncle Ezekiel's in the room and wants to talk to me, I'd talk to him, Countess. Yes, Mrs. Timothy. Ned, stop squeezing my hand. I'm not squeezing your hand, Anne. Eh? Well, whatever you're doing, stop doing it. I'm not doing it. anything. Ouch, doggone it. What's the matter with you, Anne? You're so coy, pinching me now. I'm not pinching you. My hands are in my lap. Well, who's ever sitting next to me? Stop it. Dr. Hammond. I'm sitting across from you, Anne. Mrs. Dimity. Oh, dear. I wouldn't have the courage to squeeze anybody's hand at this point. Ouch. Well, whoever it is... Turn on the lights, somebody. Turn on the lights. No. Somebody's got hold of my no, hand. No, don't turn on the lights. The spirits have entered the room and are attracted to you, Anne. To you. Oh, please, please, turn on the lights, please. I'll do it, Anne. I'll do it. Oh, well, let go. Let... Oh, there... Oh. There's nobody sitting next to you. That's a vacant chair. But I felt it. Anne, did you imagine it? Imagine what? Did somebody squeeze my hand? I imagine nothing. Look. Look at my hand. And tell me that's imagination. What's it, darling? What? Dr. Hammond, look. Hmm? Her hand is bruised. Hmm. Yes, it is. Pretty badly bruised. Countess, where were you sitting? Exactly where I'm sitting now, Dr. Hammond, and I haven't moved. You had your chance to do something extraordinary, Anne, but you muffed it. A pity is all I can say. A great pity. The seance is ruined. But, Countess, wait a minute. What for? To try another seance and have you become hysterical all over again? Good night. Dr. Hammond, is it possible that I really was holding the hand of something or... Anything's possible, Anne, but not very probable. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. I said not very probable, Mrs. Dimity. I think perhaps the Countess has been playing a trick on all of us. A cute trick, Doctor. A pretty difficult one. If she wasn't playing a trick, she shouldn't have been so upset when you turned on the lights, maybe. Oh, Doctor, I think you've got a point there. Nothing like a good dash of logic to take the cold chills out of my spine. Well, how could the Countess do it, Doctor? Well, Mrs. Dimity, psychic phenomena is the Countess's business. After all, she makes a living out of calling imaginary spooks from the outer world. I don't think it's very nice of us to try and pry into her secrets. I hope you're right, Doctor. I do hope you're right. Well, I wouldn't worry, Mrs. Dimity. Well, I'm going upstairs to bed. I've had enough spooks to last me for years. Oh, wait for me, Mrs. Dimity. I'll go up with you. Oh. Good night, Ned. Good night, Anne. Good night, Dr. Hammond. See you in the morning. Good night, my dear. And don't worry about the spooks. They're purely harmless make-believe. Oh, dear. I'll never sleep a week again. Well, Doctor, 
What's the tongue and the cheek look? Oh, Ned, I'm afraid we've had our first touch of real psychic phenomena tonight. What you just said. I didn't want to frighten the women. And you believe this house is haunted? Haunted? Well, I don't like the phrase, but in essence, that's the idea. I was wondering if you'd be interested in trying an experiment with me tonight. Certainly, Doctor, anything. Well, suppose you and I spend the next few nights down here. We'll turn off the lights and wait. Just wait. Perhaps we can invite some trouble. Oh, and that was the first part of The Weird Circle from August 19th, 1943. What was it starring Arnold Moss? So Arnold Moss, uh, he also appeared in movies and on Broadway, but his big claim to fame was uh, he was in an episode or two of Star Trek, including The Conscious of the King. He also played in The Rifleman as a school teacher. Uh, his name was Mr. Griswold, but I don't, I think no relation <laughs> to from uh, yeah. vacation. Yeah. Yeah. And chief Lone Spear in a Bonanza episode called him defensive honor in 1968, but then he didn't do much acting after that, but it was a big deal back then for shows like this for Hollywood stars to, to be on these shows. It was a big deal for anybody who is known to from radio to make that transition to television as well, which is... And what's funny is people in the movies now, especially in the 60s, 70s, 80s, even 90s, kind of frowned upon television. But now with Netflix, Amazon, now they all want to get into that a little bit. Um, everybody wants Netflix. Everybody wants Netflix. Would you like to be on Netflix, no, Dave? I'm good. No, you're good. No, I'm I'll, good. I'll be on Netflix. <laughs> if there's some Netflix producer, director out there, I'll audition. Come on, Dave. All right. I'm all right. You all got right. a few jobs to do. We'll be right back. I don't have a mic. I, this is WG. I have always used you're not to, used to having a turning on two mics at the same time. I know. I want to mention really quickly that Carl and I are going on a cruise. Mm-hmm. And we we want you to come with us. We mm-hmm. are going to Bermuda, August 1st of 2020, like 2020. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to be on Oceana Cruise Line, yeah. which is the luxury cruise line, because, you You're know, not we want with him, are you? With Carl? <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's no, funny. I guess not. Carl and I don't roll that way. Um, <laughs> we don't funny. roll to the right and to the left. Yeah, we people, only... think, people think Bill and Wendy are married. They the do station. not. Oh, right? yeah, they do. Yeah. Well, there are quite a few people that thought that when we first started, but we yeah. cleared the air really, really quickly. Oh, good. Did you, uh, did very, you knock that very out? Very, very quickly. Okay, all as right. much as he would have liked yeah. to have been with me, no. I, he does not have that opportunity. Okay. Carl is a single guy. I am a married woman. And That's right. yeah, we're going to keep it that way. Gotcha. Okay. Anyways, right. 2020, <laughs> August 1st, we're going on Oceana Cruises. Uh, we're going on the ship is called Insignia for seven nights. Uh, it's going to be fantastic. We're going to explore Bermuda, St. George, and Hamilton. We're going to have a classic radio cruise. We're going to do some reenactments. That's really cool. Trivia contests and games and prizes. And we're just going to spend time enjoying and talking with our listeners. Do you know, and I know Carl would probably know this maybe a little bit more than you, but are there any people from that era still around? There really really aren't. I think there are one or two. We've actually interviewed them, but... um, not too much. It's long gone, unfortunately. He, there, luckily, he yeah. has interviewed many of them in the past. Has, so we yeah. have a, you know, history about them and we can hear them. And I know you're, you know, do a lot of interviews as well, but unfortunately, no. There, in, there was a PBS special years and years and years and years ago that had a reunion, like in the late seventies of all these radio people. And within sure. two or three years, most yeah. of those people were gone. Yeah. Well, in the it, 70s. Was, it was a good time to do it. it right. Was, yeah. Right. So anyway, 
always, um, cool. I'm going to give cool out the cruise. number for yeah. Keen Luxury Travel. That's our travel agency. We're working with them. Great rate. The number is 800-856-1155. Or you can go to our website, wgnradiotheater.com, click the cruise banner, and we hope that you'll consider uh, coming with us to Bermuda. Although there was a woman this week who died at 106. She was in a bunch of Three Stooges shorts with Mo Larry and Curly. Oh, Not wow. like the later bad sure. movies and all that stuff, but oh. lived to 106. So Amazing. there's some probably a few actors and actresses sprinkled out there. Well, if anybody's right? out there listening to our show, we would love to hear from you. Yep, yep, <laughs> That's yep, yep, for yep. sure. That would be a, a hidden gem for us. And after the news, we'll be talking, or we'll be uh, throwing it back to part two of The Weird Circle. What was it? Starring uh, Arnold Moss. And uh, again, this is a story of... Uh, about some folks living in a house to see if they can get to to the bottom of the mystery of the hauntings. Well, there are a lot of hauntings, uh, so we're going to do that, and uh, we're going to be right back. We are back. This is the WGN Radio Theater, and we are uh, listening to The Weird Circle. I wanted to say thank you, though, to Dave for co-hosting the show with me tonight. Yeah, it's been fun. And taking the place of Carl. Of course, nobody can actually take his place, but you're doing a darn good job. Well, that's very kind of you. And thank you, Shantae, for being the best producer, because uh, everything sounds like it goes smoothly all the time when actually it just doesn't. <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. It's all good. And we look forward to hearing you and the Dave Player Show after WGN yeah, Radio another Theater. Another three hours, yeah. going? We've got uh, uh, Sven Gulli uh, coming up oh. at 2.30. Before that, we're going to talk a little bit about the horror movie shows, the TV shows that used to air in Chicago that are gone but not forgotten, like Creature, like Creature Features, Features right. Monster Rally, and some of those. So we'll talk a little bit about that. Uh, we're going to play an old-time uh, radio play, a classic radio play. We're going to play Suspense, The House in Cypress Canyon, which is, we do it every year. We've done it right. every year for seven years. This is like one of my favorites and one of the scariest. And, it sure uh, is. And we'll do that tonight. And then later on, David Arquette, uh, is in the new Creep Show uh, TV series along with Adrian Barbeau, a name from the past. Right, I remember her. Uh, we'll talk to him about that and scream, and you know, kind of a pre-Halloween show, we'll call right. it. Well, if you're a fan of classic radio, then you're going to want to stay tuned for the that's House right. of Cypress Canyon. That's right. Sure. That's right. All right, we're going to get back to part two of the Weird Circle. What was it? Starring Arnold Moss. We waited that night through without sleeping, but nothing extraordinary happened except for the fact that Mrs. Dimity's rocking chair kept rocking all night long, creaking and squeaking as it moved. But the wind could have been responsible for that. The next night and the next and the one after that, we kept our nightly vigil, creeping up to our rooms like thieves just before daylight broke, so that nobody would suspect our secret experiment. On the fifth night of our wait, we heard the rocking chair creaking, 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 Doctor. Yes, Miss. That rocking chair couldn't be moved by wind tonight. There isn't a breath of air stirring. I noticed that, Ned. I wonder... Listen. Yes, the creaking stopped. Same as usual. I'll try to get some sleep. I can't. I'm as nervous as a cat over this whole thing. Yes, I'm jittery, too. Ouch, let me... What's Why the matter, you... Ned? I don't know. Somebody's attacked me. I... Help me, Doctor. Help me. I, I, it's got its arms around my throat. There, I feel it. We'll find out who this ghost is in a short time. There, I've got his arms, Ned. My throat. Let go of my throat. 
There. The trick. Can you hang him for the lawn, Doctor? I think so. But he's as strong as an ox. No, you don't. His voice certainly doesn't sound human. Turn on the lights, mate, while I hang on to him. We'll find out who this practical prankster is. I'm afraid to let him go, Doctor. I can handle him, Ned. You turn on the lights. Hurry, Ned. Hurry. All right. Of course. There you are. Go ahead. Doctor, where is he? He's right in front. I've got him by the arms. I'm I'm hanging on to it. This is amazing. Amazing, Doctor. Well, we can't see it. It's invisible. Help me, Ned. He's trying to escape. Help me. I could only see him. There we are. I've got it. I've got it. What is it, Doctor? What is this thing? What was it? I didn't know as I held the grisly thing in my arms. It struggled and sobbed and moaned exactly as a beast would struggle and moan. An invisible beast. That was the horror of it. An invisible beast. I sent Ned to the basement of the old brownstone to get some stout rope. At least we could prevent this horror from escaping. That's what I thought then. Well, Ned returned shortly from the basement and opened the door. There you are, Dr. Herring. Oh, quickly, Ned. Bind its legs. I, I can't hang on to it much longer. Not as young as I used to be. All right, Dr. Almanac. Somehow I... Try to hold him on the floor. Yes, yes, of course. Uh, there you are, Ned. Now, quickly. His feet are still for the minute. There. I've got the rope about them. Uh, Look. Huh? A perfect loop around nothing but empty air. Hold him and I'll bind the rope around him. Oh, quickly, Ned. There we are. That covers his feet. And I'll bring it up here and around his legs. Here, give me the rope and I'll bind his hands. All right. We're getting him bound up like an Egyptian mummy. There, that does it. What a relief to be able to let that awful thing go. All right, I'll take the rope now, Doctor. He's bound to this chair. He won't get away now, I'll guarantee you that. It isn't very large, is it? No, about the size of a small boy. But what is it? Have you ever encountered anything like this before? Frankly, Ned, never. Look at my hands, bitten and bruised. I wonder if I'll ever be able to move them again. What are we going to do with the darn thing now? I don't think that's our responsibility, Ned. I think we'd better call the boarders together and let them in on the secret. Would you like me to get them, Doctor? Uh, yes, wake them up. But don't tell them why. Just ask them to come down here, and I'll throw this rug over the chair so that they won't see the rope right away. Ah, uh, don't ask so many questions, everybody. Dr. Hammond will explain everything. Good evening, Dr. Haddon. Have you possibly discovered that psychic phenomena does exist? Come in, Countess. Come in, everybody. Don't be afraid, Mrs. Dimity. Oh, well, that? I'll explain it in a minute. Explain it, Dr. Hammond? Uh, sit down, everybody, please. Uh, no, Mrs. Dimity, not in the rocking chair. Oh, you're me. I'm afraid we're in for a revelation this evening. Uh, Ned, please close the door. Right. Strange are the ways of the world. Yes, Countess. The ways of the world are very strange. Mrs. Dimity and the Countess has been correct about this house. There is something in it. Oh, what do you mean? There's nothing to be frightened of, Mrs. Dimity. No, spirits are often kind. Indeed, they're friendlier than many mortals. This isn't exactly a spirit, Countess. What do you mean? Exactly what I say. It's a beast of some kind. The doctor, is it in this room? Mrs. Dimity, please. Yes, Anne, it's in this room, in that rocking chair. 
I threw the rug over. Oh, unfortunate spirit. If you wish, Countess, remove the rug. Yes, of course. Where is it? It's there. You can see the ropes being held in place by it. What kind of a hoax are you trying to play on me, Dr. Hammond? It is not a hoax. There's a living, breathing something bound in that chair. But it's invisible. Why, that's incredible. It's more than incredible. Would, uh, Would you mind if I touched it? I don't see why I should. It's not my beast. The problem is, what are we going to do with it? What do you suggest, Mrs. Dimity? Mrs. Dimity! Well, she's painted, Dr. Hammond. I'll get a smelling salts right here in the desk drawer. Oh, I felt it. I felt it, Dan. I felt it. A captured spirit. I must tell my co-worker, Dr. Zarkoff, right away. He'll be so thrilled, so thrilled. I'm not sure that we ought to tell anybody about it. Are you, Doctor? Ned's quite right. We should not. Oh, but Dr. Sarcox is the only living person constantly in touch with the spiritual night and day. Day and night, constantly. The smelling salt should be in here someplace. Oh, here they are. Until we find out exactly what it is, I don't think we ought to divulge the secret. Heaven knows what we've stumbled into. You're right, Ned. Here, Mrs. Dimity, take a deep breath of this. And how do you propose going about finding out what it is? Breathe deeply, Mrs. Dimity. Oh. Well, I was thinking it might be possible for Anne to make a plaster cast on it. Oh, that's a gay idea, Ned. Breathe deeply, Mrs. Dimity. You'll be all right. That's quite a good idea, as a matter of fact. No, you'll hold it while I make a cast, huh? If it happens to bite me with a pair of invisible teeth, that'll be my way. No. No, being a doctor, I shall use a little chloroform and put it to sleep for a while. We'll be able to make a perfect cast. Mr. Dimity, are you all right? Oh, I'll never be all right again. Well, Anne, are you willing to give it a try? Oh, I suppose so, Ned. I'll prepare the plaster right away. There we are, Anne. The chloroform has worked perfectly. Whatever it is, it's asleep. Before you start with the plaster, I should like to listen to his heart with the stethoscope. Certainly, Doctor. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Normal. A little faster than is normal for a human being, but maybe we're not dealing with a human being. Yes, Doctor, that's very possible. Ned, would you hand me that container near you? What do we have? There you are. Thanks, Ned. Well, Dr. Hammond, are you ready? Yes, Anne, whenever you are. Well, we might as well start. Two o'clock. We ought to be through by seven. And so Anne started to work to cover that invisible form with moist plaster. We watched her spellbound. The hideousness of the rough object which soon met our eyes was appalling. Anne's hands shook perceptibly as she forced herself to complete what she had started. Minutes changed into hours. The mold was completed and we had a rough idea of this figure. Then Anne allowed the mold to dry. By morning, we had a rough facsimile of the invisible beast. How can I describe what it looked like when it looked like nothing so much as a demon out of hell itself? Yes, shaped like a man with long, sinewy arms, but it was small, only four feet or so high. Its muscular development was amazing, and the face, the face looked like a cannibal's, a demon. Cruel, tiny eyes, a tiny nose, and a twisted, long a horribly long mouth and sharp, shiny teeth. The first rays of light broke through the window, and I realized that the effects of the chloroform were wearing off. Watch out, ladies, away. I got him, Doctor. You better help me. Yes, of course. Here. Here, we'll hold him together. And, and... Yes, Dr. Hammond. We'll hold him down, and you bind his legs with cord. Get that rope around his legs. Good girl, Anne. That's it. Oh! Your arm, darling. It's bleeding. Don't mind my arm. Just bind the legs. 
Okay. Hurry up. All right, that's the girl. Now clip the rope around him and pull it good and tight. All right. There we are. Give me the rope, Anne. I'll secure his arms. Ned, look at your arms. Oh, Doctor, he's badly bitten. Don't bother about me now, darling. We can't let this beast loose on the man. That face you've done, Anne, looks like the face of a man. Yeah, it does. Give me a hand, Dr. Hammond. We'll put it back in the chair and tie it. Okay, Ned. Now, one, two, lift. There. Now, tie the darn thing there. What do you think we ought to do with it now? I don't know. You're the doctor. Well, I think we all need some sleep. First, I'll tend to that omnibus, Ned, and I'm going to leave the thing here for a while. Doctor, do you think we dare leave it here quite safely? Well, judging from the way Ned's got it tied up, I think so. Not even a spirit could get out of those ropes. Come on, Ned, I want to take a look at that arm of yours. Oh, it's so tired. I'll leave the little statue in here till morning. You know, Doctor, it makes an interesting study, doesn't it? Yes, quite an interesting one. Extraordinary piece of work, one might say. Well, good night, Anne. Come on, Ned, let's get that arm bandaged. We'll all think more clearly tomorrow. We thought we could think more clearly after some sleep. And so the days went by. Ned and Anne and I stayed with that invisible beast constantly. I took test after test. Its heart condition, its breathing. Every test I took baffled me completely. For this invisible beast reacted to every test exactly as a reptile would react. Or to be more specific, a python. A type of snake which swallows an animal or a man whole and then digests it. As the days passed, we realized that since this was living matter, it must eat. We tempted it with every kind of food imaginable, tried force-feeding it, but the animal never swallowed one bite of food. Then one evening, all of us were collected in the living room when those horrible sounds started. I tell you, Ned, it's hungry. And darling, we've tried feeding. But you've got to get it out of this house. I can't take it any longer. That famous spirit will evoke the anger of the gods. My advice to you is to let it go. That's not very good advice, Countess. Whatever this is, it would be fairly dangerous. No, isn't there anything we can feed it? It must be suffering horribly, Doctor. No food or water for two weeks. Yes, Anne, there is something we can feed it, but unfortunately or fortunately, we can't. What are you talking about, Doctor? Human flesh, Ned. This creature is a man-eater, an invisible man-eater. There's only one thing for us to do. Call the police and the medical society and turn it over to them. There's nothing more we can do. Oh, you'll regret this, Doctor. You'll regret it. You can't evoke the anger of the spirit world without payment in full. And will you make the call? Certainly, Doctor. I'll go with you, darling. Don't tell them anything about it. Just ask them to come over here immediately. And so, gentlemen, Anne called you and brought you over here. I've told you the complete story of the monster from the very beginning. Well, Dr. Hammond, as a member of the police force, I don't mean to doubt you. But where is this invisible monster? It died of hunger ten minutes before you arrived, Sergeant. Where is it? On the floor, here, next to my foot. Uh, You can feel it even if you can't see it. Here, put your hand down here. All right. Uh, Sergeant, feel this. It feels like a dead man. I tell you, it does. Uh, Sure, Doctor. What kind of a trick are you trying to play on us? Trick, Sergeant? Take my word for it, it's no trick. You felt it yourself. Ah, many people know how to make a mass of material appear invisible. Chemistry can give you a lot of explanations of that kind of a hoax. It's no hoax, gentlemen, on my word of honor. It's no hoax. Ah, tell us a better story. 
Come on, boys, let's get out of here. We enjoyed your fairy tale, Doctor, but we can't swallow that one. But, gentlemen, ask any one of us in this room. I swear to you, it's the truth. Look in the corner at that statuette. That's an exact replica of the invisible beast. Ah, now I get it. You're trying to get some free publicity for the art exhibition at the museum. No, gentlemen. I made that plaster cast myself from the invisible monster. Dr. Hammond's telling you the truth. Yeah? Well, if it's the truth, what was it? What was it? Frankly, gentlemen, I don't know what it was. From the time-worn pages of the past, you have heard... What was it? Bellkeeper, hold the bell. Man, I love these horror shows. These are awesome. I know. That's what we do here on yeah. WGN Radio yeah. Theater. Of course, Perfect we're playing all horror for October, but normally yeah, we have a great variety of shows. Yeah. Comedies, mysteries, sci-fi, mm-hmm. you name it, we've got it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. I know. That's why we're here on WGN <laughs> twice a week, twice 11 o'clock, a week. Saturdays and Sundays. Tonight, Father Knows Best and Escape? That's correct. Because so it's some, a scary Father's Knows Best? Well, Father I don't know if it's, it's a Halloween-themed okay, episode, right. yeah, and some yeah. of those are comedies. We played A Life with Luigi, yeah. we've played... Um, what else did we play that was comedy for Halloween? We Probably played some Jack um, Benny's. I mean, there's, uh, there's there's some Jack yeah. Benny's. We played um oh, I can't remember some of the other ones, but there's a few comedies mixed in with the uh, with the horror with the horror radio. That's shows. cool. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. 